0: Welcome to UX Banter Season 3, where I, Dushan Kanungo, talk to the leaders in the design field about their journey and what inspires them to be the best. I also touch upon the aspects of the industry, such as jobs, trends, and challenges, to name a few. This podcast is presented by Galaxy UX Studio and powered by Galaxy WebLinks, an Inc. 5000 company. Hello, everyone. This is Dushan, back with another episode of UXpander podcast. Today, we have a dynamic design leader dedicated to empowering diverse design thinkers and bridging the gender and ethnic gap in the tech space. She actively mentors the next generation to renowned programs such as Built by Girls, ADP List, Women in Wireless, Blacks for Design, and Envision Design Leadership Forum. She excels in crafting innovative digital experiences by harmonizing business objectives, technology, data, and creativity. Please welcome the guest for today, Partner and Chief Creative Officer at Qualified Digital, Janel Chandler.
1: Thanks for having me, Deshaun. I'm really excited to be here.
0: So are we. I mean, this has been a wonderful year so far that, you know, all the people that we are actually talking to. And uh, I think having you on board is, you know, one of the best people in the industry who are doing something which is quite different from one another. Even though we are logging a lot of journeys of different paths that people have actually taken in their careers. And we are really excited to know more about how did it turn out for you? I mean, what made you think that this would be my career path to go on. And how did you become the professional that you are today?
1: Yeah, I mean, great question to start off with. This is definitely not the career path that I thought I would have. I think I, I've always been sort of an art kid, painting, drawing kind of stuff, but I really thought I would be an architect, an engineer that's what I studied. That's what I did a lot of my internships and like first jobs was architecture. And woof, if there's any architects listening, that's a like a, a really seriously hard, complex job. And working for an architecture firm, I just found out it wasn't for me. I learned a lot of different things about the business and more so gravitated towards just graphic design. And that's kind of what kicked off my career.
0: So when you say you started off in architecture and then you jumped to UX, are there any correlations that you can actually point out, such as that here are the basic differences and here are the learnings which can be applied to both of the domains?
1: Yeah, definitely. So when I started in architecture, I was doing Um, a lot of what they call like redlining. So you'd get blueprints from architects and you'd go through all the requirements. Like you have to make sure doors open at 90 degree angles or you have to make sure certain protocols and requirements were in place with blueprints, which translates a lot to UX. We always get a set of requirements, whether it's from the business side, from the technical side, there could be limitations. So a lot of what I learned can definitely and has transferred into UX. I think both foundations are pretty much the same. You know, with UX, there's like technical requirements, what you're coding in, you have to really learn all of the different disciplines that are kind of outside your own, and they both translate really well
0: and both the places you already have the rails to work on certain guidelines and codes in an architecture that you follow and same thing happens with UX that you know that there are design systems that are in place and everything just aligns up
1: totally i think with UXO the main difference for me or the the biggest difference is like with architecture things take so much time like going from a concept or a blueprint to the actual build a facility, a house, a school. I mean, we're talking like 10, 15, 20 years. So it's a long process. And for me, I'm probably impatient. So what's really nice about UX is everything's digital. You can come up with a wireframe or a design concept and you can see it in real time. You can edit it in real time. You can't really do that with architecture. Like if you're editing, like something is seriously wrong, like that you got to do all that stuff way before and like years before too.
0: Absolutely. Those are the things that, you know, must be, you know, biggest of the differences. I mean, same thing happens with product designers too, that, you know, until you have something out in the wild, which physically you can see that could be a chance that you are not able to see it as, you know, how it is going to turn out. But yeah, I think UX gives us that flexibility, but also it gives us opportunities to test the idea and concept with the real people who are going to be using it over the period of time. But then architectures and physical products, they can have different utilities. And that means that the solution that you're designing, it may be repurposed, but UX for uh, digital products is always about solving that one specific problem for a particular user. So repurposing may not be as easy as it could be in, say, a physical product, such as a building can be transformed for multiple purposes and usages. But yeah, I think that is the primary uh, difference between the two. So you do work for a lot of enterprise-level applications and the solutions which are coming in. And then, so what is the key difference that you see between designing for enterprise UX and the normal user experience for the consumer and products?
1: Yeah, I would say for enterprise, some of the main differences are mostly on the business side of things. They're going to drive their business to like lead gen, generating leads, hitting certain KPIs. Whereas yes, they do care about users, but I think when you're you're designing for B2C or like consumer, it's 95, 100% about the user. So, in enterprise, you're balancing and you're juggling again, like a lot of different requirements and still trying to make a solid product. I would also say, with the two, which is which we've been seeing for, I don't know, maybe the past like five, six, seven years, is how data is really impacting the product, whether it's enterprise or B2C or consumer friendly, like what is the actual data saying? And I think that speaks volumes And a lot of clients on the enterprise side too. That's what drives them. We can make a pretty design, but if it's not speaking to users, it doesn't matter. They can tell us all the business goals, but if it's not going to, you know, please or attract the user, it doesn't matter at all. It's really key about the user and the data to like back that up
0: understandable and i think that is the beauty of enterprise design right because at one end you are solving a very highly complex problem but at the other end you need to make sure that the users who are working on the application they do not need much training it is simple enough that it is a trust it becomes a transferable skill not a very specialized operation and while It solves the problem. It also must save some time so that the ROI of the entire investment becomes viable. Your thoughts about the ROI of Enterprise UX?
1: I think it's going to depend on, I feel like the client in the industry that you're sort of working with. But I think a lot of our clients, like their return on investments are always going to be in the form of who's buying their product and the leads that are they're generating, and like qualifying leads. I also think we're, we're seeing a lot to just how we're speaking to people, people-centric copy, people-centric experiences. Sometimes you can't really justify that with, you know, like a return on investment per se, but you can be like, cool, people are spending time on my site. They're understanding what I do, and they're not just clicking around bouncing so I think one to long story short one would be qualified leads and two would be how people are using and interacting with the site and also how we're telling the story seamlessly Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely so with that with holding that thought I'm going to bring in my UX vendor cards to ask you some questions (laughs) to more and uh, I I hope you're ready
1: I mean, now I am, sure, let's go.
0: (laughs) All right, so sunrise or sunsets?
1: Sunset, I'm not a morning person. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not waking up for a sunrise at all, nope.
0: (laughs) All right, if you want $10 million tomorrow, what would be the first thing that you're going to buy?
1: If I won $10 million? (laughs) Oh, boy. I feel like I feel like I would need to have some like righteous, like do good answer. But honestly,
0: the first thing that you're going to buy,
1: like first thing, I'm probably calling up my friends and family and we're going to eat somewhere fancy. And like, it's like, look, meet me at this fancy restaurant. Don't bring your wallet. Don't ask any questions. It's all going to be covered by me and we're eating good. Like that's the first thing I'm going to buy.
0: All right. So party. (laughs) Yep. Your favorite holiday destination.
1: Holiday destination. huh? I'm going to say Dubai only because I went there at the beginning of this year and it was beautiful and amazing. And I would go back a hundred times again.
0: Well, I'm going to Dubai in October. We are attending Jitex, which is happening. Yeah, so uh, Galaxy will be there in full capacity. We have our own booth uh, on the Dubai Harbour side, where they are going to have that North Star Conference.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Have you been?
0: I have last year, but last year we were not exhibiting, but this year we are exhibiting in the conference. So we'll be there for the entire week. So yeah, this is a plug, which I want to push in, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. You got to video it. You got to share some photos and stuff.
0: Yeah. So that is, that is an amazing experience. So I completely with you. Dubai is Disneyland for adults.
1: Yes, it totally is. It's fun.
0: Your least favorite job till date.
1: Ooh, least favorite job. This is like of all time.
0: Yeah, all time.
1: I In college, I was like a dog walker. I love dogs. I love animals, but that job, it was not for me. It was like a pet hotel (laughs) and like, yeah, dog walking place. And like, it was just, it was really weird. Like we would have certain people bring in their dogs and you could only feed them like 10 pieces of kibble. Because they wanted them to be very light, so that they can be in the... it. Was like weird rules. I like really hated that job. It was terrible. I was like feeding dogs all the treats. I was like, here, take them, take them. <laughs> like, but it was yeah, not my favorite job at all.
0: all right, books or movies?
1: Movies, hundred yes. percent. Ooh, favorite movie. First thing that comes to mind is probably like Inception. Uh huh. Or Devil Wears Prada. It's like two ends of the spectrum there. But like, yeah, I like, you know, mind, mind movies that make you think. And then also like those feel good, like funny movies, like Devil Wears Prada. I could watch those two thousands of times and never get bored.
0: All right. I mean, uh, good choices, though. So no (laughs) books at all? Say it again. No books to add to the list?
1: Most of the books I read are like, like work-related books or like design books, manager books. One book in particular that's, that I really like to even just flip back to is The Making of a Manager by Julie Zoe, I think her name is. Really great book, always helps me when I don't know what to do, but I'm more of like a visual learner. So movies are the way to go for me.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So is there any industry that you always wanted to work for and never got a chance?
1: Yeah, I would love to work for the music industry, like a Spotify or I don't know, like Tidal, like anything with music. I think that would be pretty cool. And I've never got to do that before. Hmm,
0: Interesting. And your favorite mobile phone app?
1: Oh man. Okay. I, I'm going to have to say, do you know, to Doist?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's probably my favorite one because I like, I have to make lists if I don't do lists, if I'm not on a to do app, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like confused with life. So I <laughs> like I got to make sure I walk the dog check. Like, <laughs> So yeah, that's probably my
0: favorite app. I think this is one of the things that UX managers have to do all the time, right? You have multiple people, multiple projects. You don't know what the heck is going on. And the only way you can align everything or put your brain to rest without feeling anxious is just do first thing in the morning and make a list. That Here is a list of items that we are going to do today. And it's not just meeting notes. I mean, you you can see that I have a list and there are texts which are, okay, done, 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 and I'm happy. At the end, things are done. So even though the diary, it actually is my lifesaver that you just put on a date and you know that what exactly things that you've done. So I completely am with you. That oh. as manager, I think the way uh, these lists help, they help you not get anxiety, and uh, they make sure that the things get done and you are not overthinking about something you have missed anything or something but I think the best five or ten minutes spent in the morning to plan your day and yeah that's about it I think and uh,
1: I think you nailed it when you said like put your mind at rest do you know how many things that just go on in our head that were like what did I do what between life and work and everything else like yes and if that app deletes i'm gonna be clueless but like it does really help for sanity it's great
0: (laughs) absolutely so with that may i ask you in your linkedin bio you mentioned your goal of uh, amplifying diverse design thinkers who create innovative digital experiences. How do you ensure diversity and inclusion with your design team? Is there any specific strategy or ideas that you follow to go through with it?
1: Yeah, I think so. When when we're kind of like hiring for our design team, the first thing I always keep in mind is making sure when I look around that there's people of all different backgrounds, colors, like women, men, whatever it is, we all don't look alike. I think when we first started Qualify Digital, that was one of the very first things we put in place. Everyone at the top was somebody different. We didn't look the same. We didn't have a the same background. And what it created was, we all had a lot of different perspectives that made the work better than, you know, if we all had the same mind. So when we're hiring for design, I keep the same thing. I make sure we don't have similar backgrounds or histories. We're all pretty different. And I mean, that could mean at times like passing up on someone who's really great or looking at someone who might feel, they might feel like they're underqualified, but it's like, no, you might not have been exposed to this kind of stuff. So come join and we'll work together on you know, picking up the pace wherever that may be. But that's sort of how we like ensure that there's diversity in the team. And it, it speaks when we show our work. It's like a collective group of different people getting together, making something great and representing, you know, everyone's different perspective.
0: Here is one question which I have, which is that while you are interviewing, And uh, you found somebody who is uh, the best fit for the position from the skill set side of things. As a business owner, a business manager, you know that this person is going to be, you know, this sort of experience that you need. And on the other hand, you have the diversity question to actually pull in. So would you rather prefer the the business benefits where you have to get the, the skilled person Or, well, it could be like 90, 20 difference, not much. So what sort of call could be there in terms of ensuring diversity versus ensuring the business objectives?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Like, it will depend on... it, It always depends on the circumstance that we're in. But, like, sometimes... And actually, this just recently happened where we had a great candidate checked all the boxes... We also had someone, um, you know, who met like diversity and was great, maybe checked nine out of the 10 boxes. We hired both. You know, there's no, at that point, it's like we have two strong candidates. They're both filling the needs. We don't want to lose the talent. So we're going to make space and we're going to make room for both. So in that instance, it's like, cool, win-win for us and also win-win for them. I think there are some cases where like, it's hard. And you usually when I can't make the decision on candidate A or candidate B, I go back to the team. What do we think the team needs? What do we think the company needs? What do we think our, you know, our group, our, our department personally needs, and then we weigh the options and make a group decision kind of based on that. I always kind of like to leave the business out of it because like they're gonna come with their rules. It's really about the working core team and what makes the most sense for that.
0: Right, because in the end, you are the one who is managing it. You are the one who are answerable to the client. So you have to think about the quality of the delivery and overall performance of your own team that how this has to be executed. And I know it's a very tough question to answer. I mean, um, in, in India as well, that when we are actually working with, there are people who are coming from different financial backgrounds, different cities, different cultures, even language barrier is a big one when we are in India. We speak about 30 national languages. So even in my team, there are people who don't understand one another unless the communication is in English. And sometimes yeah. there are people who don't speak English, but so we need somebody to actually jump in and do that. Now, English is could not be the measure of intelligence for us. It's just a language. So we have to think about that. what sort of outcome that they are actually producing in terms of designing. Or yeah. if they are good at uh, Figma, and but the conversational English is not at par. But we need to think about getting somebody who can actually help them build the bridge. So we get the right skill set, but without discriminating on, okay, we are not going to hire a person from the state or without the language skill set or maybe in in cases that for a certain religion, because those other things are international issues right now when it comes to hiring and and building upon and we also did something special where we actually rather than having those calendar fixed holidays we just broke down the holiday calendar into okay these are the fixed holidays so we had 12 calendar uh, holidays from the organization but we said let's use six as mandatory and the rest six the people can actually pick and choose that which holidays they want so based yeah. on local state holidays, based uh, religious holidays, so they, they they know that now they can choose between like 18-20 holidays that they can actually say, okay, I celebrate this festival, this festival, and this festival. Because in India, there is like every 15 days there would be one festival or the other. Um, totally. So that way, not just we are continuously delivering on every day, because if like two or three people or four people go on on a break, but the rest of the team is still in because they are not off on those days. So that way there is a linear delivery. People more yeah. included. Inclusivity wise, they know that they can actually have the freedom of, to pursue their beliefs. And uh, that way their voice is heard. I think that is one of the things that we do. We also have, and I'm, I'm the member of the POSH committee as Mandated by the government and and, and, in in terms of it. So I think this is, these are the variables that uh, every organization from the managerial point of view, when we are talking about inclusivity, has to be followed through. And um, what you're saying, it makes complete sense. So thank you very much for answering. I, I knew that this is this was a tough question. We were talking about not just the inclusive design in terms of the inclusive team and everybody coming from different backgrounds, but when you're doing enterprise UX, there is another sort of a different cultural mix that comes in, which is cross-functional teams. You're working with different departments and every department has its own agenda and you don't even know that these peoples that the backgrounds they are coming in from. How to handle that? Because it's a different ballgame. Every department feels that they are the ones who are running the show. And uh, then the UX people, the jewelry, unfortunately, they get stuck in the middle.
1: Yeah, so that is a tricky one. I think what I've seen work pretty well is like you'll have a project manager. You'll have, let's say, someone representing tech, someone representing design, UX, data and analytics, and we include everyone at the very beginning. The main job of of the project manager is you lead the project, but each one of us are gonna speak for our team and say our own opinion on what we think we should do. Our process too is kind of waterfall-ish, like sometimes it's agile, but when it's more waterfall-ish, it allows for, hey, this is the UX phase. So everyone can be a contributor, but UX is ultimately going to own it. And everyone should be a contributor. UX should be working with development. UX should be working with design during their phase. When we go into the tech phase, same thing. Engineering is, or you know, the developers are leading it, but they're going to collaborate with UX. They're going to collaborate with design. So what that, and it, like, it does is, Everyone actually is the owner for their respective parts. They feel heard. They feel like the work that they're doing is, you know, if I'm in dev and I want to introduce something new, cool. That's your opportunity. You're leading that effort. We're just here to sort of back you up during that phase. So it kind of alleviates like, I'm the owner, I'm the owner. Like everyone's the owner, but just in their respective time. And then the project manager is like the one who sort of oversees the entire project to make sure we're collaborating with each other to make sure, of course, like projects are running smoothly, but like to make sure that, you know, that team effort is still there. And it's not like one dictatorship, I would say, like, you know, everyone's involved in the mix.
0: Absolutely. These (laughs) have to be collaborative engaging and everybody should have their say in the mix Uh, so the best way to do it is get involved everybody from the word get go rather than you know doing something and then going back for surprises how important it is to handle the 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 cross-departmental I say politics when we are dealing with enterprise because there could be different departments they have a history and they are coming back in and somebody say okay, let them do it. And then we'll actually start our, the word and, and, and reshape the product as the way that we desire it to.
1: Yes. So when projects like that happen or we like pivot or what have you, that sucks. Cause it's like a lot of the upfront work or phases that we've done is like, man, we feel like we've wasted time. But at that point, it's sort of like, cool. If there's a pivot, if we want to rework something, no one can make their that decision solely. It's like, why did that have to happen? And if so, we all need to come back together and regroup as a team. It can't just be a single person's effort. I've worked with like in the past where it has been a solo person effort. You can't make a great UX without a dev team. You just can't do it. They have to be in the mix. They have to be like, not just in the mix, but owning their portion way up front. You can't just have developers lead. There's going to be no UX. Nobody's going to use it. It's just going to be like code stuff. So even when you have to pivot or you have friction, I would say, sometimes that's good, like that just makes for a better product, but you have to regroup. There can't just be a single person like dictating. Nobody's, first of all, nobody's going to want to work with that team or that person. Second of all, it's just going to be a product that's developed specifically for that person. If no one else is involved, I think we've all been there like that kind of sucks. So like, you know, and, and the end result is even worse. So even if we have to pivot later down the line, It's cool. We need to regroup as a whole team and figure out the new plan.
0: Cool. So, okay. Work aside, there are things that you're also doing for community, which is, which involves a lot of mentorship and you are available on ADP list that people can, anybody who wishes to have a conversation or want advice from Janelle, they can go to ADP list, search her name and they can book a mentorship session with her. So how your experience has been so far with ADP List and general uh, mentoring that what are the common themes that you're answering there?
1: Yeah, I love ADP List. It's great. I feel like just mentorship in general is a two-way street. So it doesn't matter if you're thinking about getting to UX, are in boot camp, been doing it for 20 years. It's like, I'm always inspired. I think majority of the questions or or themes I get are from people who have maybe experience in the industry or outside of the industry who are in boot camp pivoting into u x or design, and they want to know what it's really like after boot camp. <clears throat> they want to know you know what type of things to look out for or you know, what's it actually like working at an agency versus a big shot versus a company. So I really like to give my sort of experience and my thoughts. I also like to pair up new, new people in the industry with similar people who just started because it's different now than it was like, I don't know, 15 years ago when I was first getting into (laughs) UX and design, you know? So I can give a lot of information, but I can't relate to the industry now if I was just moving into it. Like it's completely different. There's boot camps left and right. There were no boot camps when, you know, I've, there, it wasn't even called UX. There was like, that wasn't even a term. So I think getting experience from both someone who's been in the industry and also pairing them up with a new person. I've definitely seen it work wonders for, you know, new, new people entering, but those are kind of the general themes and questions I get a lot of.
0: And what about the internal mentorship in your team? I mean, you are scaling and you are grooming them for management so that the scale is always, you know, there is always growth in the employee and the team is happening. Do you do anything specific to ensure that the growth of the people who are working for you? Uh, they get the opportunities
1: totally so this is a little challenging as we grow but i mean my number one goal as a manager is to support the team so what usually happens is well within the creative team we have user experience as their own department and then we have visual design so i set to i guess i'll call them like deputies who i meet with Probably every week. And we just talk about any kind of challenges, whether it's project related or I don't know if they, you know, technique, Figma stuff, also personal stuff, goals, that kind of thing. So we meet sort of, I say once a week, but honestly, it's probably every other day. Mm-hmm. We're on Slack. So we actually, it's like every day we talk. And then with the rest of the team, I make sure that I meet with them for at least an hour, you know, every 2 to 3 weeks. Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing. You know, it doesn't matter sort of what level you are. Tell me your challenges. Tell me where you want to grow. Tell me where, you know, personally like do you want to explore? Do you want to be a traveler? Do you want to explore data and analytics or something? Like what do you want to do as a human? Like let's connect other than what project are you on? You know, like just a little more humanizing. So I think it's mentorship all around. I learn a lot from my team. We learn a lot from each other and it helps too with like just growth in our craft and work-life balance and growth outside of work too. It's like we learn to make space for people. We, you know, um, Someone on our team just had a baby. It's like, cool. Now we're all sending them like, you know, like baby links and creative ideas and stuff. And it's a nice environment when the culture sort of set up like that. So I, I think just connecting with people on multiple levels outside of projects and making the time to like really, you know, get to know them and, and understand why they're here and, and what they want to do.
0: And your team is completely remote or in person? How do you operate?
1: We're completely remote. We have, so we have a few people on the West Coast, some in like Central, some on the East Coast. We're kind of just all spread out, but um, we do have a good chunk of time that sort of overlaps and, and we make time for each other.
0: Brilliant. And you are hiring?
1: Yes, we are. Right now we're hiring like a VP of strategy and UX. And then, I mean, we're always hiring. Like we're always looking for designers. We're always looking for user experience people. We kind of like to hire not when there's an immediate need. We just hire based on talent. So if you're a really strong designer, if you're really passionate, if you just love the craft. Like that says a lot and we'll make space for you. We'll make your own lane. Even if it's not available, like you can still be a part of our team. We'll make the room for it.
0: So what would be the best way to contact or get in touch with you or your company for these positions?
1: LinkedIn. So we have postings on the company page on LinkedIn or You can also shoot me a LinkedIn message. I'm always on LinkedIn, like secretly recruiting, poaching people, looking at portfolios. So I I definitely respond. So, you know, inboxing me is, is the way to go too.
0: So the company's name is Qualified Digital. If you guys have missed at the beginning, you can always do a search on LinkedIn, follow the company page. Uh, and you can add Janelle Chandler on LinkedIn as well as if you want some advice on the personal front, you can also book her session on ADP List. And same is with me. I mean Doshan I'm also available on ADP List. And Janelle, did I not tell you that when we started the UX Better Post podcast, the first guest we had was the founder of ADP List. And actually, the platform is so strong that you know I booked a session with him and I said, Listen, I need some help, which is more than mentorship. I really want to go out there and uh, do something about the community in a different way. That, you know, interviewing or getting the UX people together, and I'm thinking about doing this podcast, will you be my first guest? And he graciously agreed, and without realizing that how could it end up, and it could be a completely and total disaster, but it was two years ago, and... Think having him onboarded as the first guest, it actually gave me a big boost, a big launch. And and the wave that I still ride that, you know, when, when asking people, would you mind doing it? Because Felix did this and people say, oh, yeah, definitely we are going to join in. So networking uh-huh. always helps so if you're a beginner uh, in the design field or even if you have very experience in, in the field, make sure that the networking you do and you connect as, with as many people as possible. And it's not like that I'm just doing the mentorship. I'm also a mentee. There are problems which I face in terms of sometimes you're stuck with the scaling problems or managing issues. I personally have worked many sessions and then I have spoken with people who are already doing or in the same field just as a professional advice. I think ADP lists work in that way as well.
1: Totally. And
0: I I got like bunch of help by just, you know, putting my problem black and white that, okay, this is what I'm going through and I don't think that I have any peer here who I can actually go and ask this question. What do you think I should do? And it helped me a lot. I have cut down projects up to like two hundred hours for say a mobile app website project just because those advices came in so handy to manage and you know deliver and the streamlining the operation, the design of side of things. But yeah, it has been uh, quite a ride.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been great for exactly the same way. It's been great for me too. Even just you know hearing from peers that struggling in the same situation sometimes it's like nice to vent you know to someone who's real, you know who can relate to it and then also hear things that hmm I'm not, I might not have thought about it that way or that's a great idea of someone outside looking in and for some of my mentees too who were looking for jobs um, it helped me refer them and then you know sometimes as well there's been at least two mentees I can think of They've reached out to a few people on ADP List and got jobs from just mentoring with them and building that relationship and connection. And it's just, it's a really awesome community. Like, like I was saying, like, it's a two-way street. It's like, you could be a mentor, but like, we're all learning and we're all just building this community together. And it's super cool. All right.
0: So with that great plug, I should ask for some sponsorship money from Felix, which is not going <laughs> to happen, but yeah, anyways. <laughs> 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 now, Felix, we love you and uh, what you have done is amazing and you deserve all the success. So good luck from the rest of the design community in the world. And with that, Janelle, thank you very much for taking time to join us in the, in the episode. It was a fun conversation. It was uh, on a a very different level at the discussion points, the ideas about how to manage in this ever-changing world with uh, making sure that we are given equal opportunities to everybody who is coming in and how to manage and navigate the challenges. So thank you once again.
1: Thank you for having me. This was really fun. And um, it it was great talking to you, Deshaun. It was awesome amazing same
0: here all right guys so stay tuned for our next episode uh, which will be on the same lines I hope and uh, it's tough to beat the conversation that we had just now but i'll try and see that we find more amazing designers design leaders from the community for you guys to learn from so thank you very much and stay tuned bye